0: Howdy, howdy, folks! I am Father Fred Gatch, and you are tuned into the Double Sword program here on the Divine Mercy family of Catholic radio stations: KMDG 105.7 Hayes, KJDM 101.7 Lindsburg Salina, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, and where it all began, KVDM 88.1 Hayes. And on the Double Sword program, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And we're going to try to um, look into sort of the general question of what's keeping you and me from getting into heaven. And we're going to answer that question kind of based on the story of the rich young man that we find in the Gospel of St. Mark chapter 10. And I think that the reason why it's, it's worthwhile looking at that story is because probably I think whenever we hear the story about the rich young man, some, most of us probably have somewhat of a sense of what it's about. But um, I think sometimes we look at that and we go, okay, well, you know, this is Jesus saying that, you know, money is bad, rich people are bad, and, you know, so on and so forth. But we're going to find out as we go through the story that there's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that um, that coupled with some, some um, teaching from St. Paul, you know, we're going to kind of come to, to a, a, you know, somewhat of a conclusion as to exactly what might be keeping, you know, people like you and me out of heaven. And so it's worth looking at. So I think first what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read the story of the rich young man. It comes from the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 10, and it's verses 17 through 31. So it's a significant piece, so you're going to kind of have to bear with me. So we're, we're just going to read the whole thing, um, and then we're going to kind of go through and cut it up piece by piece. So it says in verse 17, chapter 10, Gospel of St. Mark, As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter then began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake And for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So there is our story of the rich young man. Now, we want to kind of go through this now, and kind of pick it apart, and kind of see what it's saying and what it's not saying. In the, to me, it's kind of interesting. It says, you know, you have this guy, and I think what was probably kind of going through his head, this is speculation on my part, so you can take over it what it's worth, but I'm thinking this, this guy, you know, it says he's a, he's a young man, so it, that's, he's probably maybe in his 20s or so, and it says he was rich, so he's probably used to just having all of his little wants and desires um, met, you know, kind of at a moment's notice. He wasn't probably used to waiting for things. And um, he was probably used to just having what he wanted, when he wanted it, and how he wanted it. And as life got on, he kind of was probably, there's probably something, which we would call the Holy Spirit, kind of stirring up his insides a little bit. And he was starting to go, you know, maybe as good as I have it, there's more out there. There's something better out there. And so, you know, he hears about Jesus and he hears, you know, what he, you know, what, what Jesus is teaching and everything. And so he comes up to him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I have heard it asked, and I think it's, it's, it's absolutely true, that, you know, if let's say, you know, one day we're all at mass or something or, we're, you know, we're at some sizable gathering and Jesus Christ himself materializes in the flesh, which he would certainly be more than capable of doing. And he comes to Mass and he tells the priest, hey, I want you to go sit down and listen to me for a little bit. And so the priest goes over and sits down. And Jesus is standing up in front of the people there. And just to make the effect even better, maybe he's hovering two or three feet off the ground to really convince people that it's really him. And, um, and, he's, and you know, people are just kind of, you know, spellbound. People are, you know, dumbstruck. They don't know what to say. And Jesus says, okay, you know, I will let you ask me one question. You can ask me whatever question you want, and I will give you the definitive answer. I will give you the answer, as, since I'm Lord God Almighty, I'm Lord of the universe, I'm the creator of the universe, I know all things, and whatever you ask me, I will tell you the answer to it. Now, if you want to waste your question on something stupid, like who's going to win the next Super Bowl, or you know which stock is going to go up the most next year, go ahead. But you know, stop and think, and what's a question that you need my answer for that you, you can only get from me? And I think that, you know, I've, I've ran this scenario past um, various you know, groups before, past college students and high school students and adult ed classes and stuff. And you stop and think that if you're standing in front of Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the, the Lord of the universe, and he says, I will answer any question for you you want. I think that most people would say, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And the thing is, fortunately for us in the Gospels, that question has been asked a number of times of Jesus. And every time anybody comes up and asks Jesus, what must I do to, you know, inherit the kingdom of heaven? What must I do to, you know, you know, enter the kingdom of God and things like that? Jesus always says the same thing. Obey the commandments. Okay. He doesn't say, go to the happy, clappy gospel good time hour and shake and convulse in the aisle and accept me as your personal Lord and Savior. He doesn't say that. Instead, he always says the same thing. Obey the commandments. That's pretty important. And so then, you know, the young man says, well, but I've done that since I was a little kid. And then here's where Jesus kind of comes in with the question, you know, the comment that I think that should resonate with all of us. Um, and, you know, because I think we have to really kind of understand, you know, the purpose for St. Mark putting this this particular story in, in his gospel, because if it just applies to a rich guy going up to Jesus, then, you know, everybody else is kind of left out in the cold. But, you know, when, when so when, when Jesus says, obey the commandments, and the guy says, well, I've done that ever since I was a little kid. And Jesus says, good, now, now you're lacking one, one, one more thing. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, then you'll have treasure in heaven. After that, come and follow me. And then, you know, St. Mark says at that, the man's face fell, or in the translation I just read, he was shocked and he went away sad. He went away grieving for many possessions. And Jesus didn't back down. He didn't, you know, okay, well, I'm sorry, pal. Look, I didn't mean to offend you. Um, Just sell half of it. Sell some of it. You know, just, you know, do something here to show you're willing to work with me here a little bit. No, Jesus just lets the guy walk off, you know. Now, we don't know whatever happened to the guy. But the point, though, is, is that, you know, that um, whenever the guy comes up and says, what must I do? And Jesus says, obey the commandments. Okay. I've done that since I was a little kid. But then Jesus says, you are lacking one thing. Now, what's being emphasized here? Is it the you? is it the is it the rich young man who's being emphasized, or is it what he is lacking that's being emphasized? And I, for one, am prepared to argue that what he is lacking is what's being emphasized. In his particular case, in the particular case of this particular guy, the thing that was keeping for him from entering into the kingdom of heaven was his attachment to his stuff, okay? And so and so, in this particular guy's case, he needed to go and sell what he had, give it to the poor, and then come and follow Jesus. The thing is, is I think that if we, you know, we read this story, if we're not careful, we would look at this story and say, well, okay, that's good for him, but I've got a spouse and kids to raise. I've got a mortgage payment to make. You know, i got to keep food in the fridge. I can't sell everything I have and go and follow Jesus like St. Francis of Assisi did. You know, who's going to take care of my family? And so then people think that, well, you know, this particular story must not apply because we got too many other, you know, earthly responsibilities and we can't just go sell everything we have and go and follow Jesus, right? And so therefore, you know, this story doesn't apply. Well, I think it does if we look at it in the sense of when, when Jesus says there's, there's one thing that Father Fred Gatchett lacks. There's one thing that Lula Bell McGillicuddy lacks. There's one thing that Billy Bob Boxermeister lacks, there's one thing that you who are listening to this broadcast lack, all right? And see, I think that's what we have to be. That's what we, what we have to ask ourselves. In the case of the rich young man, what was keeping him out of out of heaven? What was keeping him from entering into the kingdom of God was his attachment to his stuff. But if we go back and we look at the at the at St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, St. Paul has a laundry list of things that are keeping people out of out of the kingdom of heaven. And it comes from chapter five, verses nineteen and following where St. Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I have warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a list of things that will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. All right. And um, I will go through them one more time. It's this laundry list. And we'll go back and kind of look at them, you know, one by one and kind of clump some others into 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 categories. He said St. Paul says "The, the things will keep us out of heaven. Fornication. That means having sex outside of marriage. Impurity. That means any other, you know, sins of impurity, including pornography and things like that. Licentiousness. That's a good one, you know, because I think that if you if you were to go to the average schmo on the street or even sad to say, if you were to stand outside of any one of the churches here in Hayes or any church in the United States, Catholic or Protestant, and have your little microphone there and doing the man on the street interview and say, pardon me, can I ask you a question? Yes. What's freedom? Can you tell me what freedom is? And I will bet you that 98 percent of people will say, well, freedom means I can do whatever I want. Freedom means means doing as I please. That's not freedom. That's licentiousness, all right? And licentiousness will keep us out of the kingdom of heaven. Um, That's what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They thought they could do whatever they wanted, okay? Then idolatry, you know, putting things before God. Sorcery, um, trying to tap into other powers other than God to control our destiny. Then there's some some ones I'm going to kind of lump together here. Enmities, strife quarrels, dissensions, factions, okay those are all ones where by which you know we say, well, you know we don't hang out with those people over there because they're just not our kind of people. I don't really have much to do with her. in fact, I just assume she stay away from me because I don't like whatever about her or him or whatever the case might be. And so whenever we have factions and dissensions and and you know um, um enmities, you know strife, all these things you know between us and other people, You know those things have to be resolved, because if I think I sit there, I think, okay, well, you know, I get along with everybody except Billy Bob. And um, I guess when we get into heaven, Billy Bob can stay on one side of heaven and I'll stay on the other. Well, maybe if it was just me and Billy Bob, that might work, although I don't think it would. But then on the other hand, though, there's, there's me and Billy Bob, but then there's also, you know, Susie Q and, you know, Mary Jane. They don't like each other either. And so it all of a sudden you got heaven populated with, you know, people who don't like each other thinking they can stay in neutral corners. Well, then how's heaven going to be different from earth? Okay, And so maybe we can hear Jesus telling us, there's one thing you lack. You know, you've, you've done well so far, but there's one thing you're lacking, and that is you know, how you don't get along with this side of the other person. And, um, you know, go and fix that up, and then you'll come and follow me. Also, it's kind of interesting how, um, you know, St. Paul, in his list here, and then one of the things about the ancient peoples, they were much more precise about the use of language than we are. Because for us, language is cheap. You know, we sell Bibles by the case. Um, Every day on the Internet, tons of words come about, and you know, 24-7 news, email, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all this stuff. I mean, words, 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 words come at us every day. Kind of like this radio broadcast. You're hearing more and more words, aren't you? Um, Nonetheless, but the, the thing is is that um, we have all these words, and then we don't stop to think about what they mean. Because notice here, in, in St. Paul's laundry list, he has jealousy and envy. He lists those as two separate things. And um, I think most of the time in our, in, our, in our language, again, it's kind of interesting when you talk to people about this, if, you know, you say, well, what's jealousy and what's envy? You know, everybody kind of has a little definition. Well, it's, you know, having some kind of bad feeling about what somebody else has that I don't have. But then you say, well, are they the same? Well, yeah. Well, look at the words jealousy and envy. It, does one seem like it's worse than the other? And it's always interesting because uh, whenever I ask this question, people always go, well, it seems like envy would be worse. And they're Right. Okay? Because the difference is this. Jealousy is, you have something that I don't have that I want, and I'm angry about it. Okay? Envy is, you have something that I don't have that I want, and I hate you for it. All right? Now, again, in such a case, how can such people get into heaven? And so maybe we heard Jesus might be telling us, well, okay, you know, you haven't killed anybody, you haven't stolen anything, you know, that's all well and good. Um, But there's one thing you lack. You know, you're very envious of Billy Bob for whatever it is that he has. You know, you're, you're jealous of Susie Q because of, you know, her ability to do whatever, because of her beauty or because of, you know, whatever, whatever those cases and things might be that we might get angry about or we might actually hate the other person for because they have and we don't. And so, again, you know, maybe we can hear Jesus saying, Okay, you've done well so far, but there's one thing you lack. You need to get this jealousy thing resolved. You need to get this envy thing resolved, you know. He, you know, he talks about drunkenness. I mean, you know, again, you, you look at the number of people, you know, the, kind of the least common denominator that approach to morality that most of us seem to have is, well, as long as they don't kill anybody— I'm okay. You know, well, yeah, I, you know, the first one on the list is fornication. In fact, it's interesting, in St. Paul's list here, murder is not even on the list, okay? And yet, people, well, you know, I admit, I got drunk last weekend and I slept with someone that I wasn't married to. But, hey, it ain't like I killed someone. Well, yeah, you know, we got together and, and everybody, you know, through their jabs at at Billy Bob, you know, because nobody likes him. And, you know, we we engaged in character assassination with this guy for a good 20 minutes over break. But, you know, hey, it isn't like we killed him or something. OK. And so our, our idea seems to be as long as we don't commit murder, that we're in the clear. But St. Paul says something completely different. OK. He's got this list of this laundry list of sins here, beginning with premarital sex and impurity and ending with drunkenness and crousing and raising hell and things like that. And including, you know, envy and judgment. Jealousy and factions and so on, and um, we look at these things and go, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I admit to some of that, but hey, it's not going to kill someone. Well. Take it up with the Lord. You know, it's in it's in his Bible that he's saying, you know, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so, you know, again, we can you can just kind of see our Lord tapping us on the shoulder and saying, well, you know, you've done more or less okay. Um, but, you know, you do kind of get out there and kick up your heels a little bit too much once in a while. And you're, you know, you're carousing and you're drunkenness and stuff. It's, it's not becoming of someone who is one of my followers. And so that's got to go, you know, or You've been sleeping with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, whatever. You maybe have moved in and lived together. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I, again, you know, like what Jesus says with the rich young man, it says he looked at him and loved him. Okay, And then he says, well, you know, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, Right? Well, I think it's the same thing, you know, with us. I mean, even, you know, people that are immersed in pretty serious sin, you know, you can have a, you know, a couple who's living together. You can have a, a same-sex couple that's sodomizing each other or something like that. And the thing is, I you know, at, at our deepest core, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go to hell. Um, we just play all kinds of games with mental games with ourselves to convince myself that, well... Okay, yeah, you know, so I slept with my girlfriend or, you know, I have a same-sex partner and, you know, we sleep together and we have our, we even, you know, got our so-called marriage and so on. Um, but it's not like we killed each other. It's not like I killed someone. This is my choice. You know, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be free. I can do what I want. Whether well, it's that licentiousness again. And so, again, you know, maybe we can, you know, again, hear Jesus' voice saying, well, you know, okay, you know, he looked at us. He loved us and says, but there's one thing you lack. You know, you got to get rid of that licentiousness. You got to get rid of that idea that you're just free to do whatever the heck you want, you know, when we're not. You know, freedom is the set of circumstances which allows us to do what we ought. It's what allows us to, you know, to do what God wants us to do. And um, again, when you look at people that are doing exactly that— you find that they are the most, you know, kind of the most freest and the happiest kind of people around. And so, again, I think the, the first thing we want to look at then here with our story of the rich young man is that, you know, we, we can, you know, we, we see the part there where Jesus says, you know, you know you're lacking one thing. You know, go, take everything you have, sell, give it to the mind of the poor. Then you have treasure in heaven. After that, come and follow me. And again, I think we, we see that and we go, well, yeah, I can't do that. Um, I've got responsibilities. You know, I have to, you know, of course, I have to maintain my car. How am I going to get to work and so on? Well, see, again, I don't think that, that the story of the rich young man is meant to tell us that we have that everybody has to sell all their stuff, give the money to the poor, and go and follow Jesus. Again, like I said, like St. Francis of Assisi did. I, th- I think instead it's the question of, you know, it's more of the question of, there's one thing that I am lacking, that you are lacking, that, you know, everyone is lacking. And then, you know, part of the job of, of the Christian life is to ask ourselves, well, okay, um, what, is, what is that one thing that's lacking? What's keeping me out of heaven? And again, you know, um, we, we see where, where, where St. Paul himself gave us that laundry list of stuff there that, that would, you know, definitely will keep us out of heaven if we're not careful. Jesus himself has one of these laundry lists back in the Gospel of St. Mark 2, a little bit previous to our reading here in chapter 7, that um, it's the part where, you know, Jesus tried to tell people that they didn't have to worry, you know, the Jewish dietary restrictions that, you know, if you, you know, eat pork or something like that, he says, don't worry about that. And when he calls the crowd to him, he says, listen to me, all of you, and understand there's nothing outside a man that going in can defile, but the things that come out that defile and then the apostles are going, well, what do you mean? What are you talking about? You know, I mean, this is, the, this is the law of Moses. We've been covering this. We've been living by this forever. And then Jesus says, do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that what, go, that what goes into a person from the outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach, and then goes out into the sewer? That's about as colorful a language as Jesus uses there. It says, thus he declared all things clean, all foods clean, And he said, It's what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is within from the human heart that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. Okay, so again, here we have these, these lists again. You know, fornication, top one on the list again. Theft, murder. Okay, here murder is actually on the list. Um, also, Jesus throws in avarice. So now we have three words. We have jealousy, envy, and avarice. Okay, um, what do what you know? We already figured out what jealousy and envy are. You know, remember jealousy is you have something that I don't have that I want, and I'm angry about it. Envy is you have something I don't have that I want, and I hate you for it. Avarice is the desire to just acquire stuff for the sake of having more stuff, so that I can hopefully eventually use it to control you with. As you can see, where avarice is is it's really a, really kind of a wicked thing. Avarice again means you know I want to have whatever it is I want to have, whether it's piles of money, whether it's power, prestige, influence, you know whatever the case, all those things are that I want these things. So that I can use them to manipulate you with, to get, so I can force you to do what I want you to do. Okay. And see, so, you know, avarice is pretty bad news. So again, you look at all these various things that are on Jesus's list, you know, theft, murder, adultery, wickedness, deceit, um, you know, slander, pride, folly, all these things come from within and they're what defiles someone. So again, you know, we could, you know, you know, maybe again, see Jesus tapping us on the shoulder and saying, well, you know, there's one thing you lack. You know, you tend to take stuff that's not yours. There's one thing you lack, deceit. You know, you, you're you're you know kind of a habitual pathological liar. You know, um, well, there's one thing you lack. You know, slander. You know, talking bad about people and ruining their reputations and so on. You know, these are things again that, when 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 the question is asked, what must I to do to inherit eternal life? Well, you know, we can we can imagine you know Jesus you know bringing up any one of these things and saying, well, this is the one thing any one of us lacks. And so again, I think taking the story of the rich young man in the context with the rest of Jesus's teaching. And the rest of what we have in the in the New Testament, you know, we can see that there there's there's something there for everyone. It's not just about the rich young man. Because in the second half of the program here, we're gonna talk about, you know, how the whole idea of wealth and everything kind of fits into into you know our getting into heaven or not and you know what things like going through the eye of the needle mean and stuff like that. So that pretty much does it for the first half of the program. We'll take a little break now and hear from the folks that sponsor our programming here. So everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. Hey, gang, we are back, and I am Father Fred Gatchett, the Vicar General for the Diocese of Salina. I'm the rector of Sacred Heart Cathedral in Salina, Kansas, and also part time religion teacher at Sacred Heart High School, also here in Salina, where I teach sophomores Old and New Testament. And you are tuned into the Double Edged Sword program here on the Fine. Family of Divine Mercy Catholic Radio Stations, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, KJDM 101.7 Lindbergh salina KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, and KVDM 88.1 Hayes. And on the Double-Edged Sword Program, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And we're glad to have you tuned in with us today, where we're talking about the rich young man, but not so much the rich young man, but asking the question, what what would be keeping you and me out of heaven? You know, we figured out last in the last um, half hour that the thing that was keeping the rich young man out of heaven was his attachment to his stuff. OK, but um, the thing is, is if we try to use that as a one size fits all admonition to everyone that, you know, we all need to sell everything we have and give to the poor and go and follow Jesus. Well, then everybody is going to be poor and, you know, we're all going to be following Jesus. But doing what? Again, there's once in a while you have people that are called to do that. And again, my my example, I called up a couple of times to St. Francis of Assisi to this very day. You know, we have people who will leave everything and, you know, join the Franciscans or the Dominicans, you know, the Benedictines. They'll join these various religious orders where they take a vow of poverty so that they can focus on working out their salvation, which is all good and, you know, well and good for them. But it's not for everyone. Not everyone can do that. And and since, you know, we have to accept as a fact that not everyone can do that, then we have to fit, we have to look at this story a little bit closer and find out what's in there for everybody. And pretty much what we figured out the last, last um, section of the program is what's for everybody there is for the rich young man. Yeah, for him, what was keeping him out of the kingdom of heaven was his attachment to earthly goods. But what's keeping me and what's keeping you out of the kingdom of heaven is probably something different, you know. And so we looked at some things that St. Paul wrote and also some of the teachings of Jesus that such things as fornication and licentiousness and envy and avarice and greed and jealousy and things like that are things that you know are probably keeping a lot of people out of the kingdom of heaven and uh, maybe we're not even thinking about it. The other thing, though, is that, that what we want to talk about here then is, again, the role of wealth, the role of money, good old hard cash, American greenbacks, the coin of the realm, as they say, all right? And so the thing is, is that unfortunately, I think a lot of times when whenever the topic of money comes up, people start getting really uncomfortable because in our society, especially in American society, we have this, it's almost kind of a, it's a split personality or schizophrenia or something about that in that everyone is clawing ahead, trying to amass as much wealth for themselves as they can, okay? And where this really kind of reaches a credible extreme is in some of these insane lottery prizes, the prizes that we have seen. You know, over the past few years, you know, we've seen, you know, the lottery get up to over a billion dollars, you know, and people are going out and buying tickets like mad thinking maybe I'll be that one lucky slob that hits all the numbers and I'll have a billion dollars, you know. Well, so then, you know, so everybody's calling to try to get that. And then when one person wins it heaven help the poor soul if someone finds out who it is, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, now how do I get my share of it? How do I how do I get it? You know, and and in fact, you know, we call it the politics of envy. And I definitely mean envy like we, we talked about in the last part of the program. Envy means you have something I don't have that I want and I hate you for it. And there's a lot of people out there that make big names to themselves by essentially saying, yeah, you know, you know, there's that guy at work or there's your boss or, you know, there's this person and – um. You know, this person's got an awful lot of cash. You know, they've, you know, then they won't say it, but, you know, the person worked hard and, you know, did the right thing and invested their money wisely or whatever. And now they got to sit on top of a big pile of money. And then they go, you know, that's not fair. It's not fair that you live in a basement apartment and this other guy's got a three car garage and, you know, a vacation home in the Bahamas or whatever and so on. So why don't you vote for me and I'll take some of what he's got and give it to you. That'll make it fair, won't it? You know, and again, that's what I call the politics of envy where, you know, people, you know, politicians kind of sort of play on that envy that we have that, again, when someone's working their way up to the top while they're working their way to the top, we kind of admire them. But once they get there, then all of a sudden we despise them. And again, that just makes makes no sense to me at all. But that seems, kind of seems to be the way we are. And so um, – when we get to the, um, to the latter part of the story then, where it says the young man's face fell and he went away sad for his many possessions, and then Jesus pipes right up and says, you know, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And it says and the disciples were perplexed at these words. Now, why would they be perplexed? Why would the disciples be confused when Jesus, or why would, why would they be scratching their heads, you know, kind of with the, their jaws hitting the floor when Jesus says, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And it says, the disciples were perplexed at these words, um, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Okay? And then there's the great um, image that Jesus uses. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who has wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And um, and it says, and they were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? All right? Well, now, see, this. this is kind of an interesting thing. You know, the apostles... We're not on the Forbes 500 list of the, of the world's richest people, right? Um, the apostles were simple men, just like Jesus was. The apostles, you know, didn't have big fat bank accounts. They, they probably, my guess is, you know, St. Peter probably did okay. You know, Peter and James and John had their fishing business and so on. I mean, I don't think they were paupers, but they weren't rich either, okay? And so, you know, and again, if we're not careful, it's easy to see this story, and see Jesus telling the rich young man, well, there's one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor after that. Come and follow me. And then it says the young man's face fell and he went away sad for him he had many possessions. If we're not careful, we might think of the apostles going, well, yeah, Jesus sure told that rich boy a thing or 2 didn't he? Sent him home with his tail between his legs. Yeah, you're rich little snot, go home, you know. Well, but the thing is they don't. The apostles are aghast. You know when Jesus says it is hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, it says that the apostles were perplexed. You know, well, why are they perplexed? Well, I think I can tell you why. Um, I know that for myself, I drive a 2013 Toyota Matrix. It's a little, you know, kind of a little station wagon sort of thing. It's a handy little car to have, but you know, you get it, it's not a, you know, it's not a Mercedes, it's not a Lamborghini or anything like that. It's a little, you know, four-cylinder, five-speed standard transmission Toyota for goodness sake. And um, and I like it. It's a good little car. I'm happy with it. But the thing of it is is I know that my insurance premiums on that car for full coverage insurance, which is about I think it's about six or seven hundred bucks a year. You know that's more than most people in the world make in a year. Okay, You stop and think about that. You know I am paying for this little tiny car that I have. You know and like for the property taxes and the insurance. You put those two things together, and I am paying more just to be able to drive my car before I even put gas in it. You know, much less you know you know make it go or buy new tires or anything like that. but just just to own my car and not even drive it a mile yet, just for the insurance and the taxes, I'm spending more than most people in the world make in a year. So most people in the world would look at me and look what I'm spending just to own my car, not even to run it. and they would say, that guy's rich and they'd be right. You know, and so I think that's why why Peter and the boys are you know just kind of taken back when Jesus says it's hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God because they're looking around and they're going, well, you know, we're not Bill Gates, you know, we're we're not we're not you know billionaires here, but there's a lot of people have a loss have a lot lot worse off than we do, and that's why you know they're that's why they're perplexed, that's why they're upset because you know Jesus is saying. You know, it's hard for people with wealth to run to the kingdom of God. Well, they know the whole wealth thing is kind of relative because, you know, sure, you have people in absolute terms, you know, the billionaires of our day, of our day and age, you know, that have just literally billions and billions of dollars that no one can touch. But then, you know, you, you go down the line and you look at, at various things. You look at, you know, I mean, what does a, you know, what does a, a family spend a year on sports for their kids? You know, what does it cost a family a year to, you know, buy, you know, whatever it is they have to buy for, you know, the sports physical and all the gas to drive to and from the games and stop and offer a burger here and there and so on? I mean, you know, again, I'm not, you know, play your sports, enjoy it. It's good fun. It's good family stuff. It, you know, gets the team together and nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that it's bad. What I'm saying is, though, is if you look at what we spend on that, or you look at what a family would spend for just one weekend to go to Kansas City to a Chiefs game, or to go to Denver for a weekend of shopping, or something like that. You know, we'll spend you know a couple thousand dollars on something like that. Well, again, that's more than most people in the world make in a year. And so, again, even though we might say, well, you know, I'm no Bill Gates, I'm no Carlos Slim, you know, the guy from Mexico that's one of the world's biggest billionaires. I'm not like that. But really, compared to a lot of people in the world, I'm doing pretty darn good. And so is Jesus telling me that it's going to be hard for me to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, it depends. What is it that's coming between us and the kingdom? But then you get to the, to the famous line here then when Jesus says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And sorry to say, I'll bet, you know, um, probably any number of you hearing the broadcast today can remember a real cheesy illustration in a religion book where – it has, the, it has a picture of a needle and a picture of a camel. And, you know, the idea of the camel going through the eye of that little needle. And um, if that's, if that's your, your image, please get that out of your mind right now. Because the eye of the needle, what it was, was back in the days when cities had walls. Okay. And back in the time of Jesus, any city worth its salt would have a wall around it. So the city of Jerusalem had a wall around it, you know, and all these other various some um, cities would have walls around them. And there would be the main gate. And the main gate was wide and tall, you know, so you could get through with a horse and cart, you know, that you could, you know, haul things in to take to the marketplace and so on. And you could, you know, soldiers could ride their horses in and ride their horses out and so on. And so you had the nice big wide gate. But the whole pur- purpose for the wall is for protection. And so at night or if there was a, you know, if the city was under siege, they would close the gate and, um, you know, so that the bad people couldn't get in and the people inside would be safe. But the thing it is, what they would also do is at night, they would close the gate. And near the gate, there was a small door, probably about half as tall and half as wide as the average door in someone's house, like your, your bedroom, or your bathroom door. So you imagine your bedroom, or your bathroom door, and imagine half as tall and half as wide. And, um, and that was kind of like a little service entrance. This way they wouldn't have to open up the whole gate in the middle of the night. If someone wanted to come through, they could just open up this little door and it was just big enough for one person to kind of squeeze in. And that little door was called the Eye of the Needle. Okay, that's what they called it. And so um, the idea then is is when Jesus says, you know, it's easier for a camel to get through this, to squeeze its way through this little door than it is for a rich person to get into heaven. What he's talking about is all those things that encumber us, all those things that weigh us down, you know, when you, you know camels, I always kind of like camels. I always thought it could be fun to have a pet camel because I just think they look cool and they seem like they're they're kind of fun. Be more fun to have like in a horse, I guess. But um, I was kind of like camels, but they're kind of ungainly. They got those big knobby knees, and you know they got the you know, they you know they spit all over the place and everything. Maybe that wouldn't be so much fun. But I don't know. But the whole thing is, is you know, the idea of trying to push a camel through an opening that's half as tall and half as wide as your bathroom door, that might be a bit of a challenge, okay? And that's, what, that's the image that Jesus is trying to show is that, you know, you've got, the, you've got this big ungainly animal with these knobby knees and these big feet and he's spitting and snorting the whole time as you're sitting behind him going, come on, camel, get in there. And you're trying to push him through this opening and, you know, he just doesn't fit very well. Well, what Jesus is saying is is that if we're, if we're overattached to our wealth, and I think also then by by extension, whenever all those things we talked about in the first part of the program, you know, the, the laundry list that St. Paul has, talking about fornication, licentiousness, and factions and and you know, drunkenness and envy and jealousy and all those things, those things that weigh us down, which make it hard for us to get into the kingdom. All right. And so, you know, the, so you can see then why the apostles are just kind of taken back when Jesus says it's easier for, for the camel to get through this small opening than for someone who's weighed down with all this earthly stuff to get into the kingdom, to get into the kingdom of heaven, all right? And then um, it, go, it goes on, you know, then they go on, and it says they're greatly astounded, and then it says, who can be saved? You know, because, you know, again, what they're saying to Jesus is, it's like, look, if this is the case... You know, again, I'm I'm no Bill Gates. You know, I'm no ultra-billionaire or anything like that. But I have all these things. I have all this stuff that I let weigh me down that keeps me from under the kingdom of God. Well, then how am I going to get in? And then, of course, Jesus says, well, you know, have faith. You know, don't lose hope. You know, because for all things, God is possible. But then Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, look, pal. He didn't say pal. He says, look, we have left everything and followed you. Okay? And so now... You know, again, Peter, you can tell he's having he's having some second thoughts here. You know, he's kind of scared himself. He's kind of going, Oh, wait a minute, you know, we did do everything, you know, we did leave everything. I left my boat on the sea of, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's probably where they're rotting away right now in my nets. I left my whole livelihood to come and follow you. Okay? And then what does Jesus say? Truly I tell you. Um, There is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold down in this age, houses and brothers and sisters and and mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life, okay? And see, again, you know, I think that, you know, any one of us might be, you know, Asking ourselves, like, well, you know, but I, I did leave stuff behind. There's a lot of things that that I could be doing that I'm not doing because I have adopted my my Catholic faith. You know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a practicing Christian, and so. You know, on on Sunday mornings, I don't sleep in, I go to Mass, you know, and and I do things like, you know, I tithe, I help out at church, I help out at the Catholic schools. You know, there's a lot of things that I do, okay? We might find ourselves, again, it's not just Peter saying, look, I have left everything and followed you. There's a lot of people that could say, you know, Matt, I'll have left everything, but I've sacrificed a lot. To become you know a follower of Jesus, and notice what Jesus says. Look what He promises. I mean, I think I've, as this as a priest, I found this to be very very true. Sad to say, you know, a lot of people I think when they when they look at priesthood, all they look at it is, as as you know everything that we have to sacrifice. Oh well, you know, priests don't get married, and you know they live in the rectory and they don't really have a home to live in, and and you know they you know they have these strange work hours and get out of bed in the middle of the night, and you know, that's all true and everything, but. The deal, though, is is what Jesus says, though, is that anyone who has given these things up for his sake and for the sake of the gospel will find a hundred times as many, you know, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and so on. And which is true, you know, that, that um, especially, you know, in the priesthood, you know, the, the way that people open their lives up to us when, you know, they'll have us there. You know, on any given day, I can be working with someone who's in hospice that's going to die in a day or two and then turn around and go back to my office and um, then, you know, work with a family, you know, a, a young couple um, that just had their first baby and were doing the baptismal class because they want to baptize their child. And then in the meantime, you know, teach my eighth grade confirmation class on Wednesday night and, you know, work with the Catholic disciples at the campus center. There, You know, there's all these, you know, all these blessings that come into our lives as priests where – you know, we might not have our own children, but we've got hundreds of kids out there that call us father, you know. And um, I might not have my own home and my own family, but I'm invited into, into, into families and homes all the time. And so, you know, what Jesus says is, is obviously true that, um, you know, that all, the, that all these things plus the persecutions um, will be in this life and then an eternal life in the life that is to come. So, again, I think that when we look through this story of the, of the rich young man, there's an awful lot there. It's not just Jesus bawling out some rich kid because he's rich. You know, that, is, that isn't what it's about. One of the most um, misquoted lines in the Bible um, is when, when St. Paul says, you know, people say, money is the root of all evil. St. Paul doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay. And so I think that's one of the things that we really kind of need to work on you know, sort of developing a healthy separation in our minds with is the, the idea that somehow that, that money is dirty, money is bad. Money is nothing. Money is amoral. It's neither moral. It's not moral or immoral. It just exists. It's what we do with it and what we'll do for it is where we, you know, we start coming into, you know, the question of, of you know, being, being immoral or being bad or good, you know, kind of comes into play. And again, that's why St. Paul says, you know, it's the love of money that is, that is the root of all evil. Another one is, you know, when people will say such things as money can't buy happiness, that's a big lie. Money can buy happiness and it can buy an awful lot of it. Um, but the problem is once the money runs out, so does the happiness. And so we don't want to be looking for happiness. In fact, um, in St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, you know, we read that terrible laundry list of sins that will keep us out of heaven. But then also then St. Paul lists the fruits of the Holy Spirit after that. And he says, in contrast, earlier in verse 21, he says, I am warning you as I have warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Such things, again, being fornication, licentiousness, impurity, and, and so on. But then St. Paul says, by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Well, notice St. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. See, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness comes from the outside. Joy wells up from the inside. And that's why money can buy happiness, but money cannot buy joy. Okay, um, You can have people. someone that, that's poor as a church mouse that still radiates joy. Um, you can have someone who has tons of money and is not a joyful person. They might you know, kind of live from one fun little thing to the next, but from the, 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 what goes on between those two things, there's a lot of emptiness and you know, not a whole lot there. And so you know, we, we can see then that, that uh, number one, like I said earlier, these words are very important. It's important for us to know the difference between such things as jealousy and envy and adverse avarice and happiness and joy, you know, and things like that. But the bottom line is, again, going back to the very beginning of the story of the rich young man, you know, Jesus says there is one thing you lack. Okay? And what's the one thing this particular young man lacks? The thing the one thing he lacks is he's too attached to his stuff. But again, we've looked at we've looked at these other parts of the scriptures, the writings of St. Paul and the teachings of Jesus, and um, we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody listening to me right now, you know, does need to sell everything they have and give it to the poor and go and follow the Lord by becoming a, a Capuchin or something like that. Um, But, again, I'm I'm thinking those people are kind of few and far between. You know, the rest of us need to work on our greed, our envy, our avarice, our, our jealousy, our, you know, the fact that we form factions and cliques and things like that by which we think we're better than other people. You know, those are the things I think that Jesus is probably kind of tapping us on the shoulder a little bit for and saying, you know, well, you know, I love you and you're doing okay for the most part, but this, you know, still needs to be taken care of. This has to go. And so I think that if we can take some time and maybe imagine our Lord telling us that same thing that he told the rich young man, you know, it says he looked at him and St. Mark says he looked at him and loved him. I think that's always an interesting little um, little detail that St. Mark puts in there. It says Jesus looked at the young man and loved him and said, you've done well, but there's one thing you lack. And I think that that's, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. You know, Jesus telling us, you know, looking us in the face and saying, there's one thing you lack. And what is that one thing I lack? Is it my, my false idea that freedom means I can do whatever I want? You know, is it, you know, addiction to alcohol? Is it addiction to pornography? Is it, you know, is it the fact that I don't talk to certain people because I don't think they're good enough for me to talk to them? Is it, you know, the fact that I'm greedy or that I'm, that I'm avaricious, or whatever the case might be? You know, there's all, there's all sorts of different things going on here that Jesus could be the ones, you know, he's saying, look, this has to go. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, this has to go. And, um, and we don't want to just focus on money because, again, I think when you start playing that game, then, you know, we can say, well, you know, yeah, you know, it isn't, you know, I'm not a billionaire, so this doesn't apply to me. Well, it does, you know, and I think that if we, as long as we don't play the game of, you know, trying to say, well, you know, so-and-so has more than me, therefore it applies to him and not to me, that's not getting us very far. You know, the scriptures are for, are for everybody, and these stories are not just meant for, for a select few, So hopefully that helps us to put a little bit of uh, meat on the bones of the story of the rich young man. Thanks again for tuning in. Just want to remind you to visit our website at DV, that's V as in Victor, www.dvmercy.com. You can also call the station at 785-621-4110. If you go to our Divine Mercy website, there are archived installments of Double-Edged Sword, and also the One Body Program, both of which are locally produced by our Catholic radio stations here in Divine Mercy Radio. And those are there for you to peruse and listen to at your leisure if you want to go pick up an older installment of one of those shows that you want to listen to again. Also, check out our Donate button, because um, there is where we depend on people's donations to keep us on the air and to keep the message going out to these Catholic airwaves. And so again, we thank you for tuning in to this installment of Double-Edged Sword here on Divine Mercy Radio, and we'll see you on the next time. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye and God bless.